Welcome to the Apologia Podcast, the audio-only archive of the Apologia YouTube channel. Note that some content was designed to go with visuals, but the imagination can be a powerful thing. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it a 5-star rating on the podcast app you're using now to help us reach more people. Or, since this endeavor is ad-free, consider going a step further and supporting us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash apologia. But for now, let's get to the episode. Part of the Apologetic series, posted October 26th, 2020, titled, Sneaky Student Tries to Trick Frank with a False Dilemma, featuring Pine Creek. We rely on one another for certain services. $100 a night. One hour. An hour? We don't say, God, do everything for me. This video was supposed to help atheists have better conversations with Christians, but we might be off to a bad start. Frank, can you get us back on track? Let's reset. When God decides that someone should die, it's not murder for him. Yeah, that's no better. Welcome to Apologia, where a former Christian takes a look at the claims of Christians. If you're new to the channel, please take a second to tap on the subscribe button so that you'll be notified when new science, theology, and news videos come out. And we've recently launched an audio-only edition that you can find wherever the finest podcasts are gathered. Frank Turek's cross-examined YouTube channel likes to post segments from in-person Q&A sessions and recently added a few from a particular, presumably non-believer, named Cody. Armed with a notebook and a combative attitude, it seems Cody was in attendance to catch Frank in a gotcha moment. But I think he missed the mark in asking questions that might make a Christian think. Now one of the best at asking poignant questions to Christian apologists is Doug from Pine Creek. For those of you who don't know, Paul and I are both atheist Mennonites, and there's an army of us Mennonites who are slowly taking over the world, peacefully of course. Paul, I think, comes from a more conservative branch of Mennonite than I do, which reminds me, Paul, do you still have that donkey named Frida that walks around in circles in your backyard powering that turbine so you have electricity for your computer system? Absolutely. By the way, Patreons, the people who give money to Paul, please know that that money is put to very good use. Buying alfalfa for Frida. And before Frida collapses, let's get to our friend Cody. Dr. Churik, tonight you're diagnosed with cancer. If you, could, if you could choose prayer or modern medical science, which would you rather have? Yes. You can only choose one. No, you can have prayer or you can choose science. You only have one. Would you rather have those doctors treat you with chemotherapy or would you rather have a team of priests treat you with prayer? Frank, like many Christians, struggle with hypothetical questions that cause unease. If Christians have the truth, I don't know why they're scared of these types of questions. Often when I talk to Christians, I let them know ahead of time that this is a trap question, but they should just go ahead and embrace it. You can only have one. Who said I can only have one? My question presumes you can only have one. <laughs> it's a false question. It's not a false question. It's a hypothetical question intended as a thought experiment, often to explore values or opinions. By definition, hypothetical questions are based on imagined scenarios. I might ask, would you rather give up coffee or chocolate? Even though there's no current real-world reason Frank might have to give up one or the other, and that there exist items that contain both coffee and chocolate. 
Or I might put forth a controversial meme asking Frank to choose two defenders against an attack of the rest. Or I could pose the classic trolley problem from Ethics and Psychology, whether Frank might pull the lever to kill one instead of many. None are true dichotomies, but hopefully all will make you think. I can have both. I should have both because are you suggesting that that um, God can't work through doctors? Even granting that God can work through medical doctors, I think Frank would admit there are times where God intervenes supernaturally without any doctor's help. This was the real question that Cody was asking, and I think Frank understood that. What are you trying to get at? Professor Turk, I'm, I'm, my implication is that if you wouldn't immediately jump to the chance to say, I would only rather have prayer that displays nothing other than a lack of faith, you should be more than happy to say, I don't, give a, I don't, I don't care about modern medical science or anything. Cody needs to be very careful here. You notice he almost said a bad word, which... We good Mennonites were trained not to do. Cody needs to get Frank to admit that God intervening and man intervening can be two entirely separate things, which Frank does admit soon. Since you are a devout and a serious Christian, and I respect you for that, and as should everyone here, you're going to tell everyone here, forget science, we don't care about any of it, God will take care of us no, no, as Cody, long as we I, pray I to him. Wrong theology. I defended Cody's question as a properly constructed hypothetical before. But now I'll criticize Cody on his effectiveness, because the ramifications of the thought experiment aren't what Cody thought they were. The Christian Bible, under most interpretations, specifically commands both prayer for health and seeking medical assistance for health. So the best Cody could achieve with this question is a Christian's uncomfortable admission that they prefer one aspect of God's command over another aspect of God's command. This is no more damning than an admission from a Christian that they might prefer the do not murder commandment over the do not bear false witness one. If you are a non-believer and want to pose a hypothetical question to a believer, hoping to cause them to re-examine their faith in some way, your question will need to put the believer in some way at odds with the profession they actually affirm. For example, you might ask a Christian if they would prefer to personally, physically examine the wounds of risen Jesus to affirm his resurrection, or are they more satisfied merely reading what other people wrote about it? If they admit that they would prefer to touch Jesus themselves, you can then point out that in John 20, 29, Jesus tells Thomas that it's better to accept the resurrection without seeing it personally. This is unlikely to shake a believer to their core, but it at least demonstrates an inconsistency. Before I need medical care, I need food. And I rely on farmers that make corn here in Cornhusker land. But I can still eat corn on the cob if someone cuts it off and smushes it into a fine paste. I'm not growing my own corn. Mmm, corn. Haven't had that in a while. Yeah, delicious corn. Okay, I don't have time to do that. I rely on them. I'm not going to sit around and say, God, give me some corn. A can of corn costs 57 cents. I can sure go for a can of corn. You've already told us God is timeless, so time is time is nothing. We're wait we're waiting for your prayer. Frank's defense that he's too busy to grow corn is pretty weak from a scriptural defense standpoint. There are plenty of division of labor passages that would have suited better. But Cody's God is timeless rebuttal is even worse. While Christian God may be timeless, Frank was talking about his own lack of time as a human man. 
This outburst eroded away what little weight Cody's question may have had with the Christians listening. What, what, are, you, what are you suggesting? We, we live in the world where we have a community, and God has put us in this community, and we rely on one another for certain services, whether it's doctors, whether it's farmers, whether it's grocers, whether it's attorneys, whether it's teachers. We all interact. We don't say, God, do everything for me. Here, Frank is admitting that there are things that God is not actively doing, but humans are doing. So if Frank can separate things that God does from what man does, then Cody's question is a good one. However, I think Cody should have asked this question first. Frank, you have to choose between one of two options in this question. If you got a flat tire, would you pray to God to fix it or call a tow truck? You can only choose one, Frank. I don't think Frank would have any problem saying he'd call a tow truck and he would not think it is a false dilemma. Now ask the cancer question. If Frank can say he can have both God and the doctors, and it is a false dilemma, why didn't he say that with the flat tire question? Frank didn't want to answer this question because he didn't want his mostly Christian audience to hear that he relies on humans more than God for the really big issues in life. In fact, Jesus was, was tempted by Satan, remember? Throw yourself down! And uh, God will save you. And Jesus knew, of course, that Satan was taking that verse out of context. And he said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Which is confusing because in Judges 6, Gideon specifically tests God by putting out a fleece to first, miraculously be covered in all the dew, and then second, to have none of the morning dew. Gideon specifically calls this a test of God. And God complied. In Frank's passage, Jesus again seems to be putting forth an anti-evidence stance. So God doesn't answer your prayers directly. We'll move on to the next question. No, Thanks, no, no, Doc. No, Cody, uh, Cody, Cody, no, we won't. We're going to go to the next lady and you can get in the back of the line because it's one at a time. Because otherwise you, you could be up there for half an hour. We don't have half an hour. Thank you. But I'm happy to thank stay. I'm happy to stay afterwards and talk to you as long as you want. I would love okay? that. Thank you, Dr. Shrek. All right, thank, thank you. you. He's a very polite young man. That gets a seal of approval from we Canadians. And, of course, Cody did get back in line and took another swing at Frank. Dr. Turek, God commanded you to murder your wife or children to prove your faith in God. Is your current devotion not enough to prove your faith? Must you murder your children as Abraham was instructed? This First is of all, a, I don't know this, what this, I would this, do. This is, this is a simple yes or no question, Doc. I don't, I don't know what I would do in Abraham's position. This is a masterful answer from Frank for a few reasons. First, it's probably true, and at least comes across as humble and honest. If Frank felt certain God was clearly asking him to murder his family, that would create a massive conflict for Frank. And that's the point of the story, really. God forcing a difficult choice. Second, Frank completely sidestepped Cody's carefully worded phrasing written down in his binder. Is your current devotion not enough to prove your faith? Cody wants to know why God requires a human pass a test when God presumably already knows what the human would do. So instead of defending God's motives, Frank deflected to his own human choice. Clever. So I don't know what I would do, just like I'm never going to say if somebody put a gun to my head or a gun to my wife's head, what would you do? Because Peter tried that. I'll never deny you, Lord. And what did he do? He denied him three times. And Frank brings it all home with an example of the rock upon whom Jesus built his church failing a test so that Frank won't lose any faith for any appearance of similar wavering. Frank is adept at the Q&A. 
Dr. Shrek, I'm only asking if you would murder your wife or children to prove your devotion. It's a simple question. I, I, Even Cody lost track of his own question and fell for repeating Frank's version, which Frank's already answered honestly and bolstered with the example of Peter to bail him out of any personal failing. And because Frank is answering Frank's question, Cody now seems belligerent rather than keeping Frank to task. God has the right to take us out anytime we want because if Christianity is true, men don't really die, we just change location. Frank says, if Christianity is true, men don't really die, we just change location. We should make a bumper sticker that reads, Jesus changed location for our sins. And God can do that anytime you're, he wants. So thank you for your you're, question. You're... <laughs> it is stunning to me that massacre and genocide gets applaud in this building. God Cody. demands slaughter, massacre, right. and genocide. All right, Cody, um, there's nothing wrong with genocide if atheism's true. Genocide is wrong because Yahweh says so? Frank, what is the second best reason to say genocide is wrong? Are you serious? If atheism's true, there is nothing wrong with genocide. I am an atheist, and I oppose genocide okay, in every but possible... In but every way. Frank has now successfully utilized his single greatest weapon, his ability to frustrate people. I get it, Cody. Of all the apologists, it's probably Frank who frustrates me the most as well. But Cody's flustered responses now have given Frank the appearance of being the reasonable one. And any potential power in Cody's hypotheticals have disappeared. But that's just your personal opinion because there's no standard beyond you which says it's wrong. The standard that says is correct, that I will help my fellow human up to and including you, especially you, doctor, that I would never harm anyone in this room. In my experience, arguments for objective reality are entirely appeals to intuition and appeals to emotion. And Cody has fallen for it, getting very emotional at Frank's insinuations. Instead, Cody should have taken a breath and asked something like, would you agree that in Matthew 22, Jesus said that the entire law about how humans should treat humans can be summed up with one command, love your neighbor as yourself? Since this question is merely quoting the Bible, Frank should have to affirm. To which one could do the quick counter, is not how we love ourselves a matter of personal opinion rather than some external objective standard? It seems here that Jesus advocated subjective morality, or a more ontological address encounter. Dr. Turek, could we not rephrase loving your neighbor as yourself as our morality should be based on our empathy? Well, yes. So, Dr. Turek, empathy is merely being aware of our own subjective preferences and assuming and extrapolating that others would prefer the same. And a God is not required to know our own preferences. And since humanity's main survival advantage is being a social species that cooperates, Groups with the best internal cooperation will survive best in the long run. And the most successful way to foster this group cooperation is through empathy, as Jesus advocated. So in the end, there's nothing about the golden rule that requires anything external, like a god. Or something like that. But remove all emotion, and the objective morality claims fall very flat. Okay, I'm Athe glad. Atheism, Cody. Are, are you suggesting that atheism allows or, or, or 
or purports or wants genocide? Atheism, I, know, I know you wouldn't say You would atheism, never say that. Yes, atheism does allow it. You can ask Mao. You can ask Stalin. You can ask Pol Pot. Frank says atheism does allow genocide because of Mao, Stalin, Pol Pot. But it seems Yahweh also allowed a type of genocide in the Old Testament, as Cody pointed out. So when you think of Mao, Stalin, and Pol Pot, add Yahweh to that list of big names. As Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens would both argue, as you well know, none of those people slaughtered millions in the name of atheism. There are countless right. millions. Right, Cody, Cody, this isn't a debate, okay? I know. Thank, so I, I, I thank you for thanks, being here. Doc. But let me let me deal because I, I, you know, I, I, Cody, I love talking about this stuff. But there's a line of people behind you, and uh, so we can't keep going back and forth. But I do want to answer Doc. your your question is, about the is, Canaanites. Is, is God immoral for massacre, slaughter, and racism and slavery? Uh, Cody, look, we don't have time to deal with all those. Trust me, I have slides for every one of them, okay? I don't think Cody should ask, is God immoral type questions, because of the definition of what is moral or not is based on God's nature, according to Frank. So by definition, whatever God says, does, wills, decrees, is moral by definition. Rather, Cody should ask questions that pit Frank's moral intuitions against his God's. The goal is to get Frank to admit that he is very uncomfortable with the actions he believes his God did. Here's what I call the poof or drown thought experiment. Frank, imagine you're up in heaven during the days of Noah, but before the flood happened. Yahweh asks for your input, Frank. He says, I'm going to execute my justice to all of mankind except Noah's family. I have two options for you, and they are both moral because I am giving them. But I want your input, Frank. Should I drown all those men, women, children, and babies, or just instantly poof them out of existence? Remember, this thought experiment takes place before the flood, so you don't know what God chose to do. Which would you choose, Frank? Poof or drown? Here's the Superman thought experiment. Frank, you are at the top of a high sky rise, looking down at the street below. You see that your wife is about to be brutally raped. Let's assume that everything you know about God is true, but also everything you know about Superman is true. You can only ask one, and both can hear you. Which one do you call on to save your wife, God or Superman? Many Christians like Frank believe they have a personal relationship with their God. Here's my thought experiment question for them. Frank, if I were up in heaven with Jesus, and he said to me, You see, Frank, down there? Ten years ago, I chose not to hear his prayers, not to intervene in any way, not to guide to protect him. I cut Frank off, but I never told him. Question for you, Frank. How would you have known the difference? You would still have believed that Jesus had a personal relationship with you, but really you didn't. And the question I like to ask Christian apologists is if a person can choose what convinces them to believe something. If not, how can the Christian God's only method of salvation be something the person can't control? Or if so, what's an example of something the apologist wasn't convinced of, but chose to believe in spite of not being convinced? And how did they accomplish that? Anyhow, these are just some examples of some ideas of how to approach questions with Christians, be they your family on social media or in person at the next Frank Turek speaking event. For some of the best thought experiment question asking anywhere, be sure to check out the Pine Creek channel on YouTube. Doug is one of my personal favorites. 
If you like what I do, you're going to love what you find over there. Tell them Paul G. Ascension. Thanks for watching. Until next time. Later.